0: When you think everything is someone's fault, you will suffer a lot. When you realize that everything springs only from yourself, you will learn both peace and joy. Dalai Lama Man's time here is finite, but the influence of a man is infinite. The question is what shall we do with the daylight that remains? All right, welcome back. Today we're talking about sovereignty, the battle for the hearts and minds of men, written by Ryan Mickler. So this one I'm actually very excited about because uh, I knew Ryan in high school. He's he's several years he's a few years older than me, closer to my brother's age. So I didn't you know he he wasn't looking at me as a tight friend, but uh, uh, we knew each other. We went fishing together a few times and and had plenty of interaction. And uh, through the years of I've uh, stayed in touch with him on and off and watched him grow a podcast that he started about seven years ago from, you know, nothing into, uh, I think I saw it on like a top 25 list the other day in in self-help or, or personal development or something like that. Uh, some of the guests he's had over the last maybe seven months or so have included people like Matthew McConaughey, Dave Ramsey, Michael Chandler, the UFC fighter, uh, Terry Crews. So he's he's really starting to make a statement in the podcast world. He's, he's made a massive movement with men, and his podcast is called Order of Man, where he teaches men how to really uh, stand up and be be men of honor to provide, protect, and preside in their families and in their communities. And um, so that's that's what this book is about, really. So uh, let's jump into the book. I'll give you some of the highlights, my thoughts on a few things. And, um, as always, I'll put the link in the show notes so that you can purchase your copy of the book, which I would highly encourage you to do. And, um, before we jump into this, I need to ask you to please, if you've not written any reviews or subscribe to the channel, please do that. That helps us tremendously here to reach a broader crowd. So appreciate you guys coming. All right. So let's jump into sovereignty. Uh, this is in Lifting the cloud of delusion, right? He he starts his book kind of talking about his own story, being in a bit of a tough situation. So, the the abbreviated version of his background, he his parents got divorced when he was young, and I think something like four maybe, and um, he had a he had three additional stepfathers kind of in and out of his life throughout his teen years, and so basically he had no stable tight knit connection as a you know with a father a father figure in his life and that, that played a significant role he mentions moments where he felt like he was missing out like in, when in a like boy scout camp or father and sons campouts or even just sports practices people's parents coaching their teams or help showing up for practice things like that his parents his father was not doing that and so that became a a source of for excuses him. But then it all suddenly sudden clicked and he was like, you know what? Hell with that. I'm going to be a better dad, right? And uh, he put it all together. In this particular highlight, he, st- he was separated from his wife. He had a young boy. And he says, for the first time during my separation with my wife, I told myself the truth that our marriage might be over. And if that was the case, as much as I hated to admit it, I resolved to be the greatest catch for the next woman to come into my life. That's when it all clicked for me. I had been blaming her, but what I failed to realize is that as I was blaming her, I was simultaneously giving her all the power I had once possessed to make something of myself. You see, if it was her fault, then all I could do was wait for her to do something about it. And that is why I felt so powerless. I was. The moment I began to accept responsibility for my part in the demise of our relationship, the more I began to wrestle control back into my life, the more I faced the reality that I was inadequate in our marriage, my business and my life, the more I gave myself the power to do something about it. So then he starts to pick himself up. His marriage gets put back together. He, um, you know, they, they now have four beautiful children and a strong relationship and things like that. And he kind of goes through the principles that a man that's stuck in a bad place, acting like a victim ought to take. Taking control of your life will have its fair share of challenges. It wouldn't be worth it if it didn't. The difference between all the experiences I remember and the ones I don't are those memories of hardship, struggle, trial, and adversity. I've written and spoken about this topic many times, right? You don't want it to be easy. I think there's a podcast episode I did a long time ago called You Don't Want It to Be Easy. And there's something about the struggle that gives us satisfaction and memory, and it's things we laugh about, it's things we're proud of. The days that are super easy, filled with television time and standard food, it you don't remember that. Nor do you, you know, wake up a decade later and go, "Man, I'm proud of those days." Right? The days you're proud of are the ones that you really put something in—maybe some blood, sweat, and tears—or uh, you know, you really had to had to exert yourself. You had to sacrifice something. Those are the things you remember. It's also what gives you greatness, right? So you don't want things to be simple and so you know something being difficult that's not a reason not to go so whether you're talking about marriage mental health physical health a new job anything like don't be afraid because it's difficult in fact in the end you'll you'll respect yourself and be proud of what you achieved and attempted uh because of it undefined expectations Skipping to the middle of it, the section here, it says, it seems the only time men are valued is when there is some sort of emergency we're uniquely qualified to handle. No one complained about masculinity when Houston was in disarray from Hurricane Harvey. Story after story began to unfold as thousands of men poured into the city with boats, tools, and skills required to relieve the people of Texas. Skipping a few lines here, he says, like the ax that sits in the case on the wall under a label that says, in case of emergency, break glass men are sidelined until society deems them useless so he's 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 sort of addressing that there's this notion that there's some sort of toxic masculinity that's kind of decaying society or whatever and he he argues quite the opposite that we've actually decayed masculinity to the point that men feel lost and useless disregarded until some random very unexpected predicament arises and then and then we want men to be men right And so, uh, he's making the argument that men aren't challenged enough. They're not, they don't respect themselves enough. They're not respected enough by society. And of course, why should society respect them if they don't respect themselves? Right. So there's this dilemma of weak weakness and, and, um, laziness that we prefer over true masculinity and strength and courage and those things. And so, um, I appreciated the, you know, his argument to bring it back and say, look, there's some usefulness here. Okay. So in chapter two, he's talking about the choice. You've either got to pick yourself up and brush yourself off or, you know, things are going to stay the same. And he says, radical change requires radical change. And somewhere in here, he, he put it more like as a recipe, right? In order to get something different, you've got to add some new ingredients to the recipe. And that, you know, that's a good way of saying it. Like, You hear the people quote the whole definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. But of course you get the same result. You're doing the same thing, right? And your actions are what determine what happens in the world around you to a large degree. There are things that are out of your control, but how you interact with the elements, society, the opportunities around you determines the future. And if you just do the same thing, you get nothing. But if you decide to start, reading more books, start exercising differently, start reaching out to a new person and trying to make new friends. Like if you start applying to new jobs every week, if you, if you implement these types of things, new things are going to come to your life. You're changing the recipe, you're changing the action, you're changing the way you interact with the society around you. And suddenly the inputs are different. The outputs are different. Now, I briefly mentioned that his uh, motto is preside, provide, and protect as uh, order of men, right? So we're under protect, and this section is called Weapons of War. He says, this is where I lose a lot of men. I want to be the first to tell you that I do not advocate unnecessary violence. Necessary? Yes. Unnecessary? No. Edmund Burke has stated, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil... For good men to do nothing. So he's essentially beginning the story here of, you know what, we need good men to be battle ready in a physical battle sense. <laughs> uh, while most of this book is talking about the battle of the hearts and minds of men, this particular section is saying you need to be able to handle yourself, handle your business, stand up to bad men, whether that's in uh, verbal arguments, fist fights, or war. Right, And so there is a place for violence. And if you're not prepared when confronted by evil, you lose. And, and that could be at a small scale or large scale, right? So we need to be prepared, he's saying. There is nothing more liberating to the heart and mind of a man than knowing he is enough as evidence of what he alone has created. Step up and go make something happen for yourself at work, physically, in your family, right? The fruits of your labors will make you happy if you've given a lot of yourself to achieve something great. I really liked this part. Part three of his book, The Code of Conduct. He says, every great society and every great movement agrees to adhere to a set of rules and a set of guidelines, a code of conduct, if you will. Romans adhere to the Romanitis. I don't know how to say these words. So, you know, We'll see. Romans adhere to the Romanitis or mos moriam, which means the custom of the ancestors. Although this code was unwritten, these models, practices, and traditions shaped much of the Roman behavior. He says, dating back even further, we find the code of Hammurabi from the ancient Babylonian people. This code of 182 laws can be found on the seven and a half feet tall stone monuments and covered everything from the slander to the trade to slavery and theft to the duties of workers and divorce. Christians adhere to the Ten Commandments. Members of the medical community swear to uphold the Hippocratic Oath. Warriors of every nation, every time period have all lived up to a code from the Spartans the medieval knights to the japanese samurai's bushido or way of the warrior when i joined the military i was expected to memorize the code of the united states fighting force even pirates adhere to a code and so then he goes on to outline his own code for the order of man which i will talk a bit more about later but i i appreciated the fact he's pointing out great societies people who have mass movements, people who adhere to a code, they, they achieve more. The rules are set. The expectations are set and people know how to act and behave. And so it's important to have a set of rules, a code of conduct for your own life, your own family, your own society. To wrap this up, he says, I've heard people say rules and regulations and guidelines are by definition restrictive, right? And that, uh, is true in a good way. He says, but I I'd have to consider that the healthy constructive guidelines we establish enable us to live fuller, richer lives than living free from the burden of these limitations. And he goes on to describe that more in other sections where he's basically saying some opinions matter and others don't. And some people live by this notion that not giving a you know, shit about anything or anyone's opinions and doing what I want, when I want, you know, how I want that that type of lifestyle actually leads to uh, a lot of negative outcomes, right? There's a certain amount of not giving a shit that you should live by, but there are rules that matter and having rules in place will help you find clarity, peace, structure, habit. Uh, it also helps you when you're listening to other people, um, finding the right opinions matters, right? And so I thought that was a, uh, Very wise. You need a a rule. You need rules to live by guidelines. The culture of victimhood. We are not victims unless we choose to be. The world is not conspiring against us. No one is out to get us. This understanding is what gives us the power to do more than we believe we are capable of doing. You have been a victim of many things. Overarching life. You can still be powerful. You can you can write what you've done wrong. You can look at the things that have been done to you where you were victimized and you can find power over them. And there is one point in the book where he says, you know, you shits happened to you. You've, you've gone through trauma, abuse, different things. You've been a victim, but at some point your excuses expire. So you cannot just live on your victimhood as, you know, a child or a youth or a teen or whatever forever. So at some point, you got to face it, stand up, do what you're afraid of, do what's holding you back and, and move forward, become stronger. So taking ownership, when boys become men, he says, boys, you know, they don't t- take responsibility for their actions. They make excuses. They lie. Men don't lie. At least they try their best not to lie. They, they try to be men in their words, honest, truthful, respected and respectful. They take accountability and ownership. He says, one of the questions I've asked every guest on my podcast is, what does it mean to be a man? I've never heard two guests give the same answer, but I can say that the overwhelming majority of answers fall into the category of responsibility and ownership. That's a good man or woman, right? Someone who takes responsibility, takes ownership for what they do, and uh, makes sure that they give their best to hold up to that, you know, that honor. Strength. A man is defined by what he does, or more specifically, by the outcome of what he does. Intentions are great; results are what matters. So we're moving to the ch- we're moving to chapter twelve, which is labeled "Strength," and we're going to go to the section that says the world has gone soft. He says, "Take a look at suicide rates, for example. Some studies suggest that suicide rates among men are as much as three times higher than those of women." Most would have you believe it's because we've been telling men to man up for too long, but I'd suggest it's because we haven't been equipping ourselves with the mental fortitude, emotional resiliency and physical strength needed not only to survive, but to thrive. He's basically saying that we encourage men to be weak in society today, right? I mean, how many of us don't have any kind of physical demand in our work? Uh, You know, Biologically, our DNA is not meant to sit at computers all day. Tribes and people of the past had to go search for food. Even if they were just gatherers, it still took a lot of work all day, right? Hunters, even even potentially more physically demanding if you're out there chasing animals or cutting, dragging, you know, hanging them, whatever. Like there's a lot that goes into it in physical demands, building your own shelters and structures, moving. With depending on the climate and where you live, like those kinds of things happen all the time on the regular. And here we sit in these comfy air conditioned houses without any sort of pressure. We're not being pressure tested at, at all. And so he's kind of getting to that point like men are so weak that their mentality, their emotions, their physicality, they become weak overall. And therefore, maybe some of the solution is not just to say man up, but to actually help men become stronger, right? Not to just like pat them on the head and say, you've just been a victim or you're, you know, it'll be okay. You're enough the way you are, but to say, stand up, put your shoulders back, get your shit together, get your ass in gear and uh, make something of your life. And that maybe your physical, emotional and mental state will all improve as you engage. I like this bit on emotions. He says emotions are simply a metric for what is happening in your life. Just as the gauges on the dashboard of your vehicle indicate how fast you're going, how far you've gone, how warm your engine is, emotions indicate what's working well, what's not working, and where some things are off in your life. Pretty insightful, right? If you're depressed, what's off, right? If you're super happy, why? What's going on, (laughs) you know? you're excited. How's that feel? You know, I didn't, I'm just making this connection on the fly, but I just recently took a course um, uh, on presentations uh, at work. And she basically initially was addressing anxiety because presenting in front of people is one of, it's actually like the number one fear for most people, right? They would rather die or be bitten by a snake than Speak in front of people. And so, presentations, um, she's talking about that anxiety. So, we listed some of the things that happen to people when they get that anxious feeling of, you know, I have to present. And then she said, What would happen if I told you you won $400 million in the lottery? You'd have many of those same responses. Your heart would speed up, your mind would be racing, you might start shaking, you might start sweating, lots of different things, right? Your mouth goes dry, whatever. So, it's energy. So interpret anxiety as energy, and in fact, most people when they present that have a little bit of anxiety, they do a better job because it, you know, they show up with energy. They become more charismatic and, and whatever. And so, um, doing things that kind of cause some stress might actually put more energy in your life, more joy. Right. So pay attention to the gauges. He says the foundational skill set to becoming more humble is to become more curious. I like that. A lot of people talk about you know, the need to be humble and, and how important humility is. They don't tell you really how to become humble, but becoming curious creates humility. When you're, you want other people's opinions, you're trying to learn from someone else, that's humility, right? Curiosity can drive your humility. Integrity, chapter 14, any man who lives his life habitually without integrity does great damage to his heart, mind, and soul. Although a man may never be caught in his indiscretion, the consequences of a guilty conscience and heavy heart are equally, if not more damaging to a man's freedom and liberty. You know, Integrity, I I don't think I have to explain too much about that, but uh, a key principle in your life, and it it hits a lot of different topics. Integrity, how do you define integrity, right? You'd probably pull out a lot of other moral uh, standards and say that's what makes someone a person of integrity. And so it's a good way of wrapping up. You need to do your best to live by a moral code and give your, give your word, give your honor, give your best. Through courage comes action. Through action comes confidence. Through confidence comes conviction. So if something's holding you back because of fear, it's by marching through that that you gain confidence. And when you become confident in something, you can become convicted. All right, this one, is very important. Chapter 17 labeled discipline. This quote to start it off says there are two freedoms, the false where a man is free to do what he likes, the true where he is free to do what he ought. So under discipline, he says, if there's one foundational skill that unlocks the key to satisfaction, fulfillment, and contentment in your life, it's discipline. And discipline is a choice. It's something that can be developed making yourself do those daily tasks that you may not want to all the time in order to accomplish something that you ultimately want to accomplish, right? A long-term goal, a bigger goal, a bigger vision. If you can discipline yourself to take action regularly, your life will become 10 times better. You'll just be so fulfilled by the fact that you can look back and say, I did the dirty work when I didn't want to. In fact, I've heard Kobe Bryant, man, I took the book down. Kobe Bryant's right here, talking about it's not the championships that are the dream. The dream is getting up at 4:30 when you don't want to and going and working out. Coming back, having breakfast with your girls, get them to school, whatever, and going back to work out. And then after another break, going back to work out late at night because you know that other people are working. And you're going to stay ahead of them. You're going to be the best that you could possibly be to compete at the highest level you could possibly compete at. That's actually the dream. So discipline, 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 discipline. So I'm not going to to read any more of his quotes. I just want to tell you some of what this book contains in the latter half. So uh, we've breezed through a lot of it, but towards the end, he actually gets into a battle plan. And so he, he walks you through steps in how to create a vision for yourself and what that vision might include, how you're going to break that down, how you're going to create daily tasks, how you're going to sell, hold yourself accountable and, you know, how, how you can eventually execute on this plan. And it's a 90 day plan. They redo it every 12 weeks. And so he actually has an inner circle called the Iron Council, which I'm a part of. And uh, that's where people execute the battle plans. And so you can connect with a bunch of other men looking to, you know, improve themselves, improve their network, hold themselves accountable, uh, work with other men that are going places, right? That is what the Iron Council is made of. And so uh, this book is kind of step one of that. Read the book, do the assignments, create your battle plan, connect with other men, and then engage. Right. So, uh, pretty cool book, very cool guy. Uh, like I said, I knew, I knew Ryan in high school and back then, you know, he was, he was a fun guy. He was a cool guy. I don't want to like talk him down because he was a cool guy and, and very charismatic and stuff, but he was what seemed like a typical man. And, um, over the last decade, he's gone from, you know, nobody knew him to somebody that interviews celebrities, has an iron council that's making an impact on millions of men's lives and women, right? But he's focused more on the men side and uh, he, he's become very, very successful financially. His family seems to be doing well. He's an example of what a men, man should be. He has a podcast with his son where he shows people how to engage with, with young kids. And so he's, he's just done a lot. And so number one, I respect what he's done. Number two, it showed me that, look, he came from the same place I did. This guy did it. Why can't I do it? Why can't you do it? Why can't anybody do it, right? Um, Anybody can become something great. You just have to really grind. You, you got to jump two feet in and work really hard and you can achieve great things. So Ryan, thank you for the book. Um, I really wanted to have him on the podcast, but we couldn't make it work. I, I know he's got a second book with his editors right now. So hopefully uh, we can kind of swing back around and, and get him on the podcast for that one. But uh, great work here. Um, check it out, guys. I'll put the link in the show notes so you can check this one out. I appreciate y'all listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Adios. Hey, thanks for listening to the entire episode. As a token of gratitude, I want to give you a discount on my book, Ingrained. Head over to bronsonwilks.com store and download Ingrained for less than a dollar with the coupon code GOALS, G-O-A-L-S.